ladies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy National Chip and Dip Day, Joe, with apologies to Francine for the Mexican food reference. Chips don't have to be Mexican. Chips can be potato or pita. The one in the picture did look specifically <laughs> Mexican with guac and salsa. So as far as I'm concerned, it's Mexican. Okay. Sorry, boss. Uh, one more Mexican food reference added to the pile. Coming up on today's show, lots. Yeah. We're calling this the Prague Wrap-Up Show, but that is not all we have to do. We've also got the little matter of wrapping up the Sunday Million 16th Anniversary $10 million guarantee. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I'm reading it. It was a pretty long week in Prague, and it was a pretty long weekend online, but we've got two new champions to celebrate, and we are doing it today. First things first, literally, Shagosh Glovny, close enough? Good enough. Was the first player to raise an EPT trophy in Prague in over two years, and he'll be the first new EPT champ we've had on the show in just as long. We'll be talking to him in just a little bit. And finally... We're used to the players we talk to being deep into makeup, uh, but today we've got to do a little makeup of our own. There was some confusion about days and times. The week Danny Hobo was supposed to come on as a super fan. He's here today. He's challenging me to trivia on Maria Konnikova's book, The Biggest Bluff. The biggest bluff being that you probably still have not read this from start to finish. No, of course. It's like 500 pages. Are you crazy? I'm sorry. I'm looking over here because it's on my on my shelf right now. It's very long. I read up to the parts where I thought that I would be mentioned, and, and that's it. So anyway, <laughs> luckily for Danny Hobo, uh, that we kind of boned him over the uh, the scheduling conflict, and now he's probably going to win because I don't I don't really do reading. No. Um, I I do do watching, though. A lot of watching. I do watching. watching. Yeah, I spent 24 hours in the air last week, and I used that time to watch a bunch of movies that I kind of slipped through the cracks. I don't ever, well, I, I don't know what your plane watching habits are these James are are these days, James. Although you probably haven't taken a flight longer than an hour or two, right? In like three longest years. flight's been three hours. And what I will gen yeah. genuinely do is try and download a few movies that I haven't seen at the cinema that have now made their way into the uh, on-demand rotation. That's kind of what I do, except I try not to make it like important movies. Like, I just don't want to watch like a really epic, important movie on a plane. So it's usually kind of throwaway stuff. Uh, you say that, but actually I find it an opportunity to just focus on one thing. There's no distractions. No one's going to call you on a plane. No one's going to call you, but I'm always watching seven movies at once on a plane because I'm watching what I'm watching and then what oh, the guy next to me is watching and then what the guy three rows ahead of me is no, watching. I, I literally put up virtual blinkers i have no interest in what anyone around me is doing oh no no i can't do that anyway okay so i use it as a time to like watch movies i didn't really make time for originally they might be good movies i'm not saying they're not so uh this one goes way back i watched the talented mr ripley oh my word we're going back what nearly 25 years for this yeah one? over 20 years never seen the movie really liked it, it it's a great movie it's really a great good movie, movie. and cool i know movie. when you mentioned this to me in prague the first thing i said is check out the movie the american friend which is a german film made in the late 1970s by vim vendors which is based on another novel featuring the character tom ripley where the older tom ripley is played by dennis hopper and the thing is watching this film and seeing this sociopath as played by matt damon you can imagine him growing into dennis hopper right yeah, for sure. Uh, it, but is it technically a, a is this a prequel to that, or is it? No, just they just basically filmed the books out of order, and the films have no direct connection in any way. Okay, got it. Uh, I watched a movie called The Gentleman, which is uh, I think a Guy Ritchie movie. Look, not the worst Guy Ritchie movie, not the best either. Okay, it would be hard to be either of those things, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I watched a movie called The Good Liar with Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. Oh, yeah. Ian McKellen. Totally yeah. fine. A solid B. Um, I watched a movie called Queen Pins, and all I'll say is, do you know how bad a movie has to be for me to publicly say a movie is bad at this point? Okay. I get okay. the idea. I've never even heard of it, so we can skip right past that one. Great. So, but when I got home, that's when I sort of knuckled down and watched some things I right. was more interested in watching. I watched The Adam Project on Netflix. Have you seen that one? Nope. 
Okay, that is cookie cutter Ryan Reynolds. It's like Red Hour, but it's 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 time travel Sorry, instead. Ryan Reynolds has made another film. Yes, with the same director's free guy. It's like they're just cranking them out. And when you wow. see these movies, you'll realize. I mean, it. it no offense, because they pull it off pretty well, but it's like copy and paste. Like it's just like a Mad Lib with Ryan Reynolds filling out the answers. It's absurd. I was, for some reason, over the weekend, reminded of the existence of Pee Wee Herman. And I said to my girlfriend, I was like, have you ever seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? And she's like, no. And we put it on. What a fucking delight this movie is. I just think it is absolutely hysterical from start to finish. I just find so the character unique. so annoying. I can't get into it. I can't get beyond like the first 10 or 15 minutes. It's got to be one of those things. You must have like a character like that in the UK, right? Like, who's the guy that dresses up like the old lady or... Um, the, the guy who wears like the rubber bald cap. Yeah, yeah I don't must like, be like them either. <laughs> All right. Well, I think his big adventure is an absolute classic. I'm really glad I hadn't seen it probably in 20 years. And then uh, a new show came out on Hulu that we mentioned briefly on the show because I mistakenly uh, read on IMDb that Kim Caramelli, one of our guests, was an executive producer on it. Life and Beth starring Amy Schumer and Michael Sarah came out over the weekend and uh, I watched the whole thing. It's it's really, really good. Uh, cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I finally, like you, I'm behind on a lot of movies, but I finally watched uh, Spider-Man. We discussed that on Monday's live stream, so I don't want to yeah. go over old ground. Terrible. I did watch The Suicide Squad, which I thought was totally fine. Uh, an above average it's DC fine. movie and certainly better than the original. It was absolutely did fine. You, did you? I, I find now that like gratuitous violence for comedy's sake, it's just kind of played for me. I, it, it doesn't really... I agree. It was unnecessarily gory to the point yeah. where it was a distraction from what would have other been otherwise been a perfectly entertaining movie. And the guy um, at the beginning, the, the, the rat guy or whatever, I found that really... He's like drowning and it's supposed to be funny. And I found it, I like, it really disturbed me and kind of just put me off. Everything about the weasel was yeah. utterly disturbing. <laughs> um, I have finally started, in fact, I've almost finished, I've got two episodes to go, watching the violent soap opera that is Reacher. Yes! It is incredibly enjoyable, <laughs> but it is also pure pulp. And it's I so love bad. it for that. Yes, no, that's, and that's what all the books are. Like, it's just total, it's like, big guy punches stuff and you just like, I don't care. I'll watch this or read this over the, and over and over again. The plot, the plot twists and contrivances are beyond stupid, but I don't care. It's uh, you gotta let me know. Let's talk about it a little bit more when you finish it, because the, the finale is, is really something. Oh, really by something. next week I'll be done with it for sure. Okay. Um, my current TV shows. Uh, so everything I'm watching right now is week to week and it's kind of annoying me. Uh, I'm I'm super into Super Pumped, which is Compliment and Levine. The guys are doing billions. They're doing the story of Uber. I, I really love the show. I'm hooked on it. I'm mad every week the episode's over. Super Pumped, Billions, Severance, and Winning Time are like the only things I'm watching right now, and they only come out once a week. So I'm kind of out of stuff to watch. Have you done Narcos Mexico? Because I think there was a third done. season of that one. You've done that? Done wow. It. Yeah. I don't know how you keep up. I really, you obviously have a lot of free time. Um, <laughs> so I'm not the person to come to with recommendations. Hey, anyone using the Discord channel, the podcast discussion channel on the Pokestars Discord server, link in the podcast description. Uh, give Joe some recommendations. And I think it's fair to say, Joe, that a lot of people pick either a movie or a TV show as their specialist subject when they apply to be a super fan. Great to see some super fan applications coming in on that dedicated channel on Discord. Uh, Barney2UK wants to do Slapshot, so I figure we should put that one on the list. So I've tried to watch Slapshot multiple times. I've fallen asleep every time. To be fair, it has been on a plane every time. Um, it, we, oddly, it's directed by George Roy Hill. Does that name sound familiar to you, James? The Sting. Yeah, the guy that directed The Sting. Butch Cassidy and, and the Sundance Kid. Also that. So I'm, you know, I, I got to give this movie, I'm, I'll give it another shot. Obviously, have to for this. It, there's got to be something to it. Maybe I'm just not in the right state of mind. So hopefully uh, fourth time's a charm. Uh, while we're talking about Discord, there was a lot of love for the last episode, the one we released two weeks ago, which was our strategy special with Thinking <laughs> Poker's Andrew Brokos. Bi-annual strategy talk. <laughs> I mean, look, it was very different for us. I don't think we've ever done any episode that's actually looked at strategic concepts in tournament poker before, and it went down very well. So maybe yeah. it's something we should do more often. Uh, Dr. Dad Poker, for example, wrote... 
I really enjoyed the podcast this week. I'm a fan of both Pite and Thinking Poker, so I thought the segment with Andrew was awesome. Also quite belated, but congratulations on the Podcast of the Year Award. Great work by both of you and the team. Well deserved. Just a quick shout out to my friends Darren and Jules who sent me a backup trophy. Thank you guys. I think they listen. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, also want to read a message from Jack O'Neill, our most recent superfan, uh, who had already qualified to the Sunday Million via a free roll that we ran. We also gave him a $215 ticket as backup, having won the superfan quiz. And Jack wrote... Just want to say thanks again for having me on, lads. It was great fun. Belated thanks to all the team for a great Prague event. Currently on 44 big blinds in the Sunday Million. This was going into day two. Didn't oh. end up needing the second bullet. So whether I end up cashing or not, it feels like a success. And was it actually a success? I mean, I don't care what Jack calls it. Jack, need to know, did you cash? Obviously, we didn't see you on the third and final day. So we know you didn't make it that far. Did you make the money? We'd love to know. But... Crucially, that second ticket will now transfer into $215T. So Jack's not wrong. He is already a oh, winner. Cool. Um, and I guess that brings us on, Joe, to the Sunday Million anniversary itself, which took place this weekend. I know we're kind of going out of sequence here because EPT Prague came before this $10 million guaranteed event. But it's fresh in my memory because we literally streamed it less than 24 hours ago. Yeah, yeah, I even remember some of the things. Uh, it hit the guarantee by like almost uh, what 400k it beat it. Yeah, I mean, it needed 50,000 players to cover. It had 52,000 total entries. So the prize pool in the end was 10.4 million. And there was, as advertised, a seven figure sum advertised for the winner, uh, more than a million up top. Three quarters of a million for the runner-up. Huge sums. I think it was something that Sam pointed out when we joined the action on day three with 38 players remaining, that already they'd locked up 14K. And normally, when you're covering a Sunday million, that's the kind of power you make for getting to the final table. That's like ninth place money, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's... uh, I mean, it was... I know. Look, I, I'm not the kind of person that will specifically say something was great just because we did it or just because, you know, we participated in it every week. The Sunday million streams are super fun. You'd think I'd be like kind of annoyed to have like a regular commitment on a Monday, like a regular job. It's really, really fun every time. And this somehow delivered on being 10 times the fun that a normal Sunday million is. The, the the final table slash playing down from 38 was whack. It was like some of the wackest shit I've ever seen. I mean, let's start with the fact that it took less than two hours to play down from 38 to nine. We hit the final table before the second break of the day, which is absurd. And okay, the action then did slow down a bit. No, that's not true. The elimination slowed down, but the action didn't. We just saw a ton of double-ups. There was every possibility this could have been done inside of three hours if the cards had gone a different way. Uh, So I I was not present for those sections. uh, And my question is, was poker involved in any of those? Because um, the the, the craziest thing... First of all, I guess let's roll it back a little bit before the final table. Lena 900 makes the final 38... And kind of did, we'll get to this in a minute, a two and Mulder, where we were like, oh my God, this is incredible. Oh, they're owning, owning, owning. And then all of a sudden, like, gone. Um, yeah. Which was pretty uh, unexpected. I guess unfair, too, right? Like, a little unfair to, like, put more stock into, like, one particular player going deep and being so shocked. Like, oh, it's poker, right? Two things to say about this, uh, one of which is echoing something that Sam said on the stream. The first is the even though we're looking at people with 150 million ships, the blinds were massive. The stacks were actually relatively shallow. This was not a deep stacked final day of this special event. The second thing to say, which is picking up on what Sam said, this is someone who specializes in playing in relatively small fields against the best in the world, right. not navigating a minefield of 52,000 players of mixed ability and mixed experience and making it into the top 40. Finishing in the top 40 of 52,000 entries is still a phenomenal achievement. And again, yeah. just speaks to how good a player Nicholas Astet is. For sure. For sure. So once once he got bounced, then there was this insane hand between the two chip leaders. Paramology uh, and poker. Yeah. Paramology and poker. Where 
I don't know the 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 politically correct way of saying this, but we'll just say it was played unorthodoxically between both of them. Yeah, if you're a fan of perfect poker, if you study solvers, if you're a fan of GTO, this is probably not the event you should be watching. This, this hand will give you nightmares if you're a GTO I player. I think there's a lot of people going with instinct. I think there's a lot of people kind of just the ego coming into play, uh, for want of a better phrase, button clicking taking place. There were some questionable moves made. We saw questionable folds, questionable raises, questionable all-ins, questionable calls. This hand was completely unnecessary. The two biggest stacks getting involved in a confrontation they didn't need to get involved in. ICM considerations went out the window. Paramology, the second biggest stack, was, was, was biffed. And poker then had like a quarter of the chips in play with more than 25 players remaining. And that really propelled poker to the final table and a top five finish. Yeah, I mean, pretty. It, you know, when people will tell you a hand history, they go... Oh, I got to tell you, mate, if I win that hand, I make the final table for sure. That was true in yeah. this case. Like, uh, top five, did poker finish fourth or fifth? I'm sorry, I, I think, can't remember. I think poker was fourth in the fourth, end. Fourth, yeah. So, yeah. like, literally one hand takes poker. Now, granted, that that hand allowed poker to, uh, to, to sort of play very aggressively for the next little while. That was the other thing that ended up shaking out, which is pretty cool, is that poker had a quarter of the chips in play. Uh, when there are 25 players left, but somehow at poker's table, everyone had like 12 big blinds. I mean, that, um, there were a couple of orbits where poker was just open jamming on the entire table and nobody could do anything. It was just absurd, but also really interesting to watch. And I think what we saw over the course of this event was different strategies being employed and different experience levels. And also, and again, I, I can't stress this enough, Fatigue is a factor. You sure. played eight hours on Sunday night, eight hours on Monday night. You're now coming into the third and final day. Ridiculous sums of money on the line. A huge amount of stress, a huge amount of pressure, and you're probably not playing perfectly anymore. And guess what? We're all human. We all make mistakes. But Joe, what a great narrative. What a great heads-up battle we had where we've got Black Beatty, a pretty accomplished online player from Germany. And then we've got someone who is a micro-stakes sit-and-go player, this is Jan Raz 83 who qualified via an $11 satellite. And, okay, we can talk about the mistakes they made, but I don't care. They cashed out for more than 800 k because they did do a deal, heads up, which meant that the winner got just over 900 k rather than a million, still a huge amount of money. But it was great to watch how... Black Beatty was adjusting their play to the fact that they knew that playing more flops, not getting involved in high-variant spots was the right approach for them. Whereas Yanrez83 was just, let's get the chips in. Let's get the chips in. Let's let fate decide. It was interesting the way that they understood how they should be approaching this heads-up battle. It was a really great, at least, narrative for the heads up where you had the grizzled vet who wasn't a superstar, right? But just a guy that's been grinding online for years, has won a lot of money, right? I think it was $8 yeah. million, um, you know, which sounds like a lot. You spread that over a 10 or 15 year career. You had him buy-ins and stuff like that's a grinder. That's not like a superstar versus plucky newcomer. And both of them probably had... Not probably. Both of them had career-defining days yesterday. Absolutely, 100%. And I think that having it shake out that the guy who got in for $11 cashed for 800 and the one that's been grinding for a decade uh, was the eventual winner, I think uh, poetically shakes out exactly the way it should. Yeah, following in the footsteps of last year's champion, Vanessa Cade. And look, as far as online poker is concerned, I think the Sunday Million anniversary, the Scoop main event and the WCoop main event are the kind of triple crown for me in what we stream of online in a calendar year. Uh, one down, two to go in 2022. Really enjoyed uh, Tuesday night's events. And look, I can't promise you the same on Monday when it's back to the bog standard Sunday million. But as Joe said, these streams are a lot of fun. So if you haven't watched before, please do give it a go. Monday night, we do it every single week, streaming the final day of the Sunday Million, playing down from the last few tables to a winner. And we're live every week at 6.30 p.m. UK time, 7.30 p.m. European time. Um, should say thank you to both Sam Grafton and Nick Walsh, who joined us on the anniversary Good stream. Uh, and of course, 
congratulations to Nick, who was announced as the latest member of Team Pro, following in the wake of Sebastian Huber, who was the winner of the Dare to Stream promotion just oh. before Christmas. So Sebastian got a platinum pass to the next PSPC and also got a contract as a member of Team Pro. This is Peace and Love. Give me your best Ringo impersonation again, Joe. Peace and love, peace and love. Exactly. So Sebastian Huber also joining the Team Pro roster. Uh, Sebastian was announced during EPT Prague, which brings us on to the next section of the show. Is that all you got? Yeah. I only got one question. So is that all you got? You go bigger, stronger. You push harder. Is that all you got? Climb higher, faster, faster. So is that all you got? You put your best in the rest in, no resting. Is that all you got? So you a victor. I only got one question. And that question is, did you enjoy our five days of live coverage from EPT Prague? And it's a rhetorical question because the answer is obviously yes. Mm. It's what the people wanted, Joe. It's what they've been waiting for. Uh, it was people been asking for it for years now, right? From the the first second lockdown happened. When's the next event happening? Uh, it got pushed. It got pushed. We finally did it. And I think think very few things in life live up. This kind of lived up. This was worth it. This was great. Yeah, just to put this into perspective, our first work trip, I know obviously you've done some travel around the United States, Joe, but your first proper work trip in more yeah. than two years, our first EPT live stream since December 2019, back since December 2019, Back in Prague, no Christmas market, but the squeaky chairs still very much a thing, much to the chagrin of so many members of the audience. Um, and yeah, Steve O'Dwyer, it was awesome to be covering live poker again. Uh, thank you for all the kind words in the wake of that stream. Uh, looking forward to doing it again in Monte Carlo at the end of April. I think it's the first week of May. I think we're going to be streaming mm -hmm. Super High Roller and the main event from Monte Carlo. That's not to say that it was easy. And obviously a lot of work goes into these productions and it is very much a team effort. And a lot of work went into the event. And again, this is something we touched on during the Sunday Million anniversary live stream on Tuesday night. PokerStars has not staged an event on the scale for just over two years. So the events team, the dealers, everyone's getting back into the flow. We're getting back into the flow. And then the biggest takeaway for me was how exhausted we all were at the end of it. Because now we're not used to even leaving our houses, let yeah. alone traveling overseas and working really long days. This is not a woe is me situation. It's just a reality check that it took a little bit of recovery time after this. Yeah, so they say that, um, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the old wives' tale, if we're allowed to say that anymore, the old wives' tale is that it takes one day to recover from e for each hour of uh, time zone change you make, right? Yeah. So I flew a nine hours time difference. I was in Prague for eight days. <laughs> so just as I'm getting used to actually being on that schedule, I'm flying back. And the only reason I'm saying this, again, not to complain, but I was up till three, four, five in the morning every single night. Now, some of that was self-imposed. Some of that was seeing people for the first time in a long time and wanting to go out after uh, after work and and have a beer or two. Uh, I really missed European beer. Believe it or not, I missed the smell of European cigarettes. Uh, being around that sort of stuff like really brought back great memories. It was cool. But going back to my room at one o'clock in the morning, I laid awake till three four or five of the morning most days uh it was very very exhausting luckily uh the adrenaline and the energy and the joy of being there was enough to get me through i was never miserable at any point but i was tired no and there was definitely an energy i think everyone from the event staff to the tournament staff the dealers and all the players everyone thrilled to have the EPT back and that energy you're right Joe it fueled everyone for the entire duration of this event on the subject of beer by the way and this I find hilarious I think it's fair to say that during lockdown a lot of people put on weight and I was the opposite I actually was eating more healthily I was exercising regularly and I was probably the slimmest I've been in years the moment we go back on location <laughs> I put on four <laughs> kilos in eight days through to a combination of beer and cake of the day yes 
self-inflicted didn't need to drink didn't need to eat the cake <laughs> but now i'm having to go back to my uh, lockdown routine and to try and work off that extra weight i actually ate really healthy for the most part in prague i think i had like a burger and fries one of the last nights or whatever but the beer it's just you see that gigantic frothy mug of czech beer and it's just that the sense memory of it's just it's just too good yeah. to pass up i did drink a lot of beer of course, the success of any live stream is always going to be dependent on the players. Sometimes we luck out with the seat draw, but also with our selection of feature tables. Sometimes not so much. I think we did really well during Prague. The seat draw was kind to us. The players who went deep, there were some really interesting characters. I think the very first day, right, we had Martin Cabral on the feature table. Martin, always a character, and even when he was off the main stage, he was still the star of the show because on the bubble, he played a ridiculous hand. I'm sure you guys have seen it because it's been shared on if social media. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. I, I feel like telling it won't even do it justice. Go go look at the hand. But crucially, what you need to know is to take us to the pure bubble, Martin Cabral eliminated Ramon Kalilis. Nothing extraordinary about that. But Martin slow-rolled him in the style of James Bond in Casino Royale to the point where Martin shouts, just like James Bond, just like Casino Royale, to where he actually takes his whole cards and combines them with the cards on the board and pushes them up to show that he has a straight, just like the dealer does at the end of that movie. I'm not saying what he did was right, but I thought it was awesome. I I I've, I almost always take this stance when people are like towing the line of bad behavior. I go, look, I'm not. I'm glad it's not my decision as to whether or not this like breaks any sort of rule or there needs to be some. I don't care. That's above my pay grade. However, as a viewer, this is fucking great. Of course, there's always that storyline of former champions potentially winning a second EPT title. And of course, the last time we covered Prague in 2019, it happened. Uh, where we did have Mikolai Pabal become only the second player in history to win two EPT main event titles. And there was the prospect, there was the real prospect it was going to happen this year as well, with mm -hmm. both Hussein Ensan and Demita Danchev going into the penultimate day with decent stacks. And Ensan in particular is someone who was under the microscope because this was his event. He was a former Prague champion from 2015. Since then, of course, he's won the World Series of Poker main <laughs> event. And the idea of a player winning the same EPT twice, that's never happened before, if we excuse What If God and EPT Online. So it was a real shame to lose Ensan. It was also a shame to lose Dimitar Danchev uh, when we were down to one table. But we still had the spirit of the horse. We still had Turn Mulder who had been owning everyone in this tournament for several days and at one point was just crushing the final table to the point where he had what looked like a insurmountable chip lead and it was almost like we were etching his name on the trophy when there were still nine players left. Yeah, and I think that I do have a little bit of guilt about that. Again, the things we say, they don't affect the action. They don't affect the cards. It doesn't really matter. But I do feel like we had so many eggs in the two and Mulder basket. Like I couldn't help but feel really guilty when he eventually uh, went out unceremoniously. Like it was just kind of he went from crushing everything to it kind of felt like watching the air slowly fly out of a Thanksgiving Day parade yeah. float where you're just like, oh, no. And it's like it was sad and tragic, but also, I mean, you know, it's not real real tragedy but it was just a very strange thing to watch emotionally just sort of it all fall apart for him and uh you know we had a lot of chat pros saying taking various shots at, at the way he was playing and stuff like that and dude Toon Mulder obviously is an accomplished player who's proven himself time and again so I wasn't willing to go that far but it was it was strange just how how fast it happened once it started happening yeah and 
he went out in seventh place, didn't make the final day. We came back with six players for the final day. Uh, should say thank you to the entire production team and, of course, to our co-commentators. It was great to have Nick Walsh with us on site. And obviously, Sam Grafton, even though he was in Prague primarily to play, dropped by the booth a couple of times and did some uh, guest commentary. Actually, Nick told a funny story. Uh, the Hilton Prague as a hotel, and we've mentioned this before, most of the rooms face the outside, but there are rooms that face the inside because the space station exactly the hotel has a glass roof it has an atrium so you kind of get daylight but you still face the indoors and nick had a room that faced the indoors and was trying to get some fresh air into his room so opened the window and of course that's not going to happen but all that resulted in was at three in the morning being woken up by the sound of sam grafton at the bar in the early hours of the morning because Sam has no volume button. Sam is always at 11. And unfortunately, if you were in the Hilton Prague with an atrium-facing room, chances are you were woken up at three in the morning by the squid holding court at the hotel bar. It's just a testimony to how likable Sam really is because picture that being any other person waking you up at three o'clock in the morning you'd be fucking livid and it's sam yeah. you're like da, 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 sam we also had maria and griffin join us uh from abroad maria based in la griffin based in montreal uh but get, get uh, great to have those guys involved in the stream and get their analysis as well griffin with us for uh the final table which is the final six the final day of action and i guess the story we were now following with Mulder gone with the former champs gone was Gabion Kim, who had bubbled the final table in 2019, was now, I think, chip leader coming into the final day with six remaining. And it looked like at the start, huh, we got false sense of security. It looked like, oh, this is going to be over pretty quickly. During the first session, lost two players, down to four already. Mm -hmm. And then things really slowed down. And we had a couple of attempts to do a deal. And the first just felt so unnecessary because it was so clear that at least one of the players was not interested. But they still looked at the numbers and, of course, he snap-called no. Then we play on. Things change. Then we do get a four-way deal. Um, and I think I'm right in saying that Gab Yong Kim locked up the single biggest chunk of money at that point, around 620k, because he was the biggest stack. And yet, he was the first one out. He went out in fourth place. Yeah, because I think that we all expected things were going to speed up once there was a deal, but it didn't. Uh, and then things... I think it's worth highlighting, Joe, that if you do a deal with four players remaining, if you do a deal with that much prize money remaining, the set-aside is going to be that much larger. They were playing right. for 100K, right? Yes, right. So it did not It did not speed up. And um, what happened is the exact reason you make a deal is things got shallow and fortunes changed and people had to get it in with uh you know with 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 higher variant in higher variant situation and yeah Gabion Kim who got I think it was 622k which was the biggest of the pieces of the deal was the next player out and I, I personally I love it when that happens not because of any sort of schadenfreude or whatever it is. But, well it is but it's for the people that complain about deals. I'm like no 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 this is why you make a deal. Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to Heads Up, which actually didn't take a huge amount of time. And we have... <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> Andrea Cortolazzi, an Italian player who, like Gabion Kim, had come close to making an EPT final table. I think he was the 12th place finisher in Barcelona the year that Sebastian Mallets won, 2016. And then we had the last remaining qualifier, Zegos uh, Glovny from Poland. And... Chipley did swing from one side to the other, but there was a point where Cortolazzi had no move other than all in. And I couldn't work out if this was a strategy or this was just, we've done a deal for most of the money. I just want to flip for 100K right now. I want to go home. Yeah, I don't know. It's We kind of saw something similar last night in the Sunday Million as well. Uh, and in that case, I figured they were taking the higher variance line because they felt like they were outclassed. Heads up. I did not think that was the case with Cordelazzi. No. Having not seen people's faces, emotions, reactions for a really long time, Cordelazzi seemed kind of frustrated to me, kind of over it. 
Um, and I don't, again, I would never want to say this if it's not true. Okay. It's just my particular read on the situation. If he came out and said that wasn't the case, I would say, okay, mea culpa, whatever it is in Italian. Um, but that's just kind of what it felt like at the time. Um, and I think that Cordelazzi's play in general was incredibly interesting, even from the previous day where he went through this phase, this three or four hour period where he was limping all of the hands. He was going to play limp Kings, limp sixes, limped other big pocket pairs. And uh, I, I think that if anybody out there, one of these people like lets to go through final tables and analyze particular players, sort of uh, uh, ups and downs. I think that analyzing what went on with Cordelazzi would be incredibly interesting. And I would be also very interested to know if there's an argument as to say, like, actually, these are some unorthodox lines, but uh, here's, here's why I like them. Here's why I think they work. Yeah, well, Cortolazzi was the eventual runner-up. It was Zhegoz Glovny who became the latest EPT champion. And we are thrilled that he can join us on this week's episode of Poker in the Ears. Zhegoz, congratulations. How does it feel to be an EPT champion? It's amazing, man. Thank you. Uh, uh, three years ago, uh, when I bought uh, my first laptop for my first money since I started playing like more to make some money really uh, I gave my laptop a pin code EPT <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so it's something special definitely wow that's so cool how yeah. so how many attempts at winning an EPT main event have you made so far uh, zero because of COVID I had no opportunity for the last uh, two years to uh yeah to to come even once so basically the first major EPT yeah. back you qualify online you win the satellite you win your seat and then you go on to win it i mean talk about living the dream yeah that was awesome man that was my just second uh, second stop uh, life uh, i just made a single appearance on uh, 10k subcuro but I busted day two, and this was just my second stop. Incredible. Um, yeah. We were obviously able to follow your journey for the late stages of the main event. I got the impression that that was very similar to how it had gone the early days as well. Your stack was up, then it was down. It was up, it was down. At no point were you consistently one of the chip leaders. Yeah, I was just swimming pretty safely all the, all the time. Uh, ending up in some good spots, but for the most part, I was carded uh, for a long time at many levels, and I just blinded down, and I needed some help again. So that's how it was working for the most part. So you mentioned that uh, you had some success online. You bought a laptop. You started to think in your head, you know, dreams of EPT. What yeah. kind of poker player what kind of work do you put into the game you know there's a lot of people that study all the time that play like how would you divide your like work play study habits uh, when i started i was uh, studying a lot to catch up uh, and overcome some first levels uh, of stakes uh, but uh, for now i think studying is like 30 percent of the time yeah. And when you say when you first started, what were you doing before that? Uh, before what? Before you decided to take up poker as a profession. Were you a student? Did you have a different career? Uh, I was a student for the most part. Uh, I had some uh, time of uh, depression when uh, I wasn't doing anything exactly. Uh but uh, when I uh, when I f uh, found out uh, Raise Your Edge site, uh, yeah, I started doing something. And what was it that brought you to poker that made you think, oh, poker, that's something I can do? Uh, my colleague from my hometown uh, showed me this game. It just appeared to me as very attractive. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, a lot of us found poker that way. So you, you mentioned a, a colleague, a, a, another a Polish person, I assume. There have been a yeah, few... Yeah, Bartek, he was in Prague. Uh, he's on the picture. Oh, very cool. And what about the yeah. other Polish EPT champions? Are those players that you look up to? 
yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, I was very uh, amazed when I met uh, Dominic Pineka in the lobby. Uh, he congratulated me and it felt very, very good. <laughs> I bet it did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and we drink uh, and we had a drink uh, or few as well with <laughs> some of Polish regs. So it was very fun. Yeah, cool. I, we got the impression at the end that there were going to be a few drinks because you suddenly had this rail of supporters that appeared from nowhere. We get to the end and suddenly there's like 15 people there chanting your name, cheering you on. Uh, and it was awesome to have them there, to be there for, for the winning moment. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I was uh, in Prague. I was with my girlfriend and our dog for uh, all the time uh, since 5th of March. I was playing every day uh, and uh, other guys came in the morning uh, just before uh, the final day started. And did you have people at home watching the live stream? Yeah, a lot of them. Actually, grandma of my girlfriend was watching it. <laughs> he just had the Poker Stars TV on <laughs> and was watching it. Yeah. Fantastic. I found, that, uh, I found that, uh, later on. So when when they're at home, and uh, obviously I assume that uh, especially the older generation, maybe do, do they follow along in English? Do they know the things we're saying about you? Uh, yeah, for the most part, yes. A lot of young Polish people are speaking English pretty well. What they're probably thinking and saying is, "Oh my God, I hate the way they keep butchering uh, this guy's name." Um, <laughs> it's it's not the easiest for for English people. I'm not going to lie yeah, to for you. Sure. But did you have anyone watching the stream who was giving you information? Obviously, we know it changes the dynamic of how yeah. a final table plays out now. And when you go on break, are you getting information about how certain hands were played or what people had in certain situations? Yeah, just why I took it very easy for the first level of uh, final six. I just folded some hands preflop, uh, like kind of tightish. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to find out in the uh, on the break what is going on. Um, there's a few specific things I wanted to ask you about. The first is we were just talking about Turn Mulder, uh, an online an online legend who yeah, at one I'm point, that very uh, well. at one point <laughs> this guy just looked like he was just going to beast this event and was yeah. was sure to win. That was pretty scary, man. Before uh, day five, yeah. Uh, uh, I found out the uh, seat read row, uh, <laughs> and I knew I'm going to be on TV right away. Yeah, <laughs> and I was pretty sick at uh, this point uh, in time, uh, so it was kind of nightmarish. <laughs> yeah, but I handled it somehow. Yeah. And, and I, I guess my question is, was there any sense of relief when he went out in seventh place? Was it kind of like now he's gone, now I stand a chance? I mean, of course, uh, I had a pretty good seat on him as well uh, from the be beginning of the final nine. So I was pretty lucky and lucky to double up uh, with the ace against him. Uh, but always he's just a monster. <laughs> yeah. And it is just easier this way. Yeah. To see uh, him getting uh, knocked out. Now, the second thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, you had so many all in situations. Yeah. Some of which were luck definitely played a factor. Of course, I mean, ace jack and ace eight. Well, that's, yeah. I, I want to talk about the ace, ace jack hand because clearly there were these attempts to do a deal. And what I find hilarious is you made it very clear I'm not interested. Uh, don't waste yeah, everyone's time. Don't look at the numbers. Very, I'm not interested. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, the, the, the Greek the, guy had like 3.4 million. And I had at this point in time uh, 11.3. And of course, the laptop it gets ridiculous. It, the laptop gets brought to the table, but you've already made it clear what your position is. That hand did that then change everything? Was it that hand that made you think eh, maybe there's something to be said for doing a deal, or was it the way that the chip stacks had changed? Uh, I mean, it was uh, we are about to play uh, uh, another level, uh, higher blinds, so it was getting uh, quite high violence. Yeah, and we were more even. Uh, with the stacks and of course uh, kind of i've been through hell so i can deny it uh, if i could if i could hesitate uh, at any point uh, i wouldn't anymore because of that 
I mean, I can't think what that does to someone emotionally to, to have to play a hand yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a lot of money, you know. Yeah. You're wrong. Uh, after I declined this deal, I was carded for two hours straight. Yeah. Literally. They never paid me off if I had anything. <laughs> it, was it was devastating. I was chasing this paranoia that uh, Andrea has some life hits on me. But after that, uh, after the tournament ended, we had some drinks with his colleague and he said he was just spazzing around it was and was lucky i don't know if this is true or not well that was going to be my third and final question yeah. which is heads up and i'm specifically talking about the end of the heads up battle where basically he seemed to have lost some of his buttons it was all in or fold all in or fold yeah. and from your perspective it's a case of just just wait for a big hand right uh, I mean, I was I was kind of aware uh, of his state of mind, and to be honest, I was very relieved at that point because he was my hunter for the most part. <laughs> I don't know how exactly, but he was, uh, and I was very confused with that. And he was very weak going to the break. He was just very tired. Just you can't blame him. Uh, I almost uh, uh, didn't survive as well. Uh, it was hard. So when I saw it, it was a game changer for me. Yeah. For 30 minutes of the break, I was uh, studying some heads up uh, ranges and I ate some salad and was ready to go. Cool. All business. Yeah. Because Joe and I were just talking about fatigue being a factor in poker. We were talking about the Sunday Million Anniversary being a three-day event. This is a six-day event and they're not short days. And you get to that point, you get to that really crucial part where the big money's up for grabs and you're at your most tired. So it's quite incredible that you can still remain focused and have those objectives. I mean, I wanted it pretty badly. <laughs> the toughest guys were gone and even I ran super cold at, at some point. Uh, I lost many, many blinds in a row uh, for nothing uh, in just small pots. Uh, I just, uh, I just can't believe it that it can go the other way. Now, the obvious question is: you clearly had this ambition. You clearly had this goal that you were going to win an EPT. You can tick that one off now. So, what's next? I mean, I think I'm going to. Uh, I think I'm going to Vegas uh, to play uh, World Series, and that would be amazing. Of course, the other kind of experience like more uh, maybe easier one in terms of uh, the level of players yeah you can play against some american fish instead yeah. of all the really <laughs> good european regs yeah this is kind of a uh, kind of a good change <laughs> well if you if when you make it to vegas man make sure you, you come find me i'll make sure i'll show you a good time in vegas don't worry about that okay cool <laughs> i'm all about that man <laughs> very uh, good Okay, great. Zegos, congratulations once again. Uh, no Thank one is you, ever going to take away from you that you are an EPT champion. And look, I appreciate that Vegas is the next thing on your list, but maybe we'll see you at another European Poker Tour stop. Maybe Monte Carlo? Uh, I don't know about Monte Carlo uh, for a few reasons, but Barcelona for sure. Cool. Great. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you on tour again. And congrats once again. Thank you very much. As ever, we close out the podcast with our Superfan Quiz, and we welcome to the show Danny Hobo. How are you doing, Danny? Yeah, hi, guys. I'm doing fine. How about you? Good, thanks. Danny, where are you from, and is it a place where your name has probably been made fun of forever for your entire life? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm from the Netherlands originally, and uh, yeah, of course, like my last name is always up for jokes, although actually oh. in Dutch it is the word for the oboe, the instrument. Oh, oh, okay. So wait, are, do you mostly get instrument jokes or... or? Oh, um, no, no, no. The, the other one. No worries. <laughs> okay, well, don't worry. I'm not going to do it. It Usually when it's like, like Maria Ho, for example, right? I can't... You can't do... It's just too, it's just too easy. It's just too there. It's so too I'm gonna easy, leave, of course, yeah. I'm going to leave you alone. I was just curious and and, and I'm sorry. As that, you would uh, say, Joe, it's hacky. It's hack. It's low. It's look. I like low hanging fruit, but if the fruit's on the ground, eh, there's a reason why it's been passed over. 
So what else can you tell us about yourself, Danny? Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, as it is a requirement, I work in IT. I'm a web developer. Of course uh, you are. <laughs> what course. the fuck? This is seriously... I, I, it would be rude to make Statric go listen to every episode and actually do the stats on how many IT people, but man, is it a lot. It, it's uh, it's a lot, but I think uh, we are the people who can actually like watch the stuff more often, maybe. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah Sorry, that, I, that might be I, it i stepped on you but can you say more specific what in it you do uh yeah that that's a bit sensitive topic because okay. i'm actually a competitor of PokerStars, what i'm <gasps> working for oh, but oh. but that oh means that means that means you can play on poker stars exactly you... and i cannot play on our own product so fantastic so, so i'm your customer fantastic well in that case we love you dearly and we hope that you do win a 109 dollar sunday million ticket uh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Danny, I know that you were going to be our card counter super fan. We explained earlier on that that didn't work out, but you have chosen. A Wait, great... should we let him talk about how much he loved the card counter first before? Uh... I believe we said on that episode that we were drawing a line under that movie and wouldn't bring it up again. Instead, I would like to talk about Danny's alternative specialist <laughs> subject because it's a good one. It's Maria Konnikova's book, The Biggest Bluff. Okay, fine. But I do love the movie, Joe. Ah, all right, great. Now, now, that's all I needed. On, on to the book. What did you think of the book? I uh, loved it as well, yeah. I actually did start uh, reading it last summer, uh, you know, when you're on holidays, and then, well, forgot about it afterwards. And then when I thought, okay, I can still come on the show, let's find a new topic. So proposed it and finished reading it yesterday, actually. Well, you're in better shape than I am. I did read a bunch of the book. I did not read the entire book. And all I will say, I reiterate this because I did say this when we covered the book uh, more extensively. If I were going to give a book to someone uh, to make them fall in love with poker, who maybe is like sort of interested in poker, I think this book is absolutely brilliant at that to just make the game seem super, super appealing in a way that maybe just watching it on TV wouldn't do. So I really do think that if that's what the goal was, Maria really crushed it. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, Danny. Well, Patrick has also had to read the book in the last seven days. He has compiled a 10-question quiz. And as you are the super fan, as you are our guest, you get to go first. So please give me a number between one and 10. Uh, it's always coming seven. Always coming seven. Now, this question is one of the two questions that has a bonus question attached. So by default, Joe, you're going to get the other one, which is question two next. Okay. But question seven, what is the official name of the event that Maria won at PCA 2018? Oh, yeah. Uh, choices, please. Was it the PCA Cup, the PCA Deep Stack, the PCA National, or the PCA Turbo? Uh, the PCA National. It was the PCA National for one point. And the bonus question, how much did she win for this event? And I will take the answer to the nearest $1,000. Uh, 85000 It was eighty-four-six. Therefore, 85 is the closest number. I'm going to give you the bonus point. Nice one. Okay, just, 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 just put it out there. I would have gotten that one. Okay. So, Joe, this is the other question that has a bonus attached. That's why I'm okay. giving it to you. It's question two. What animal does Maria liken Eric Seidel to? Multiple choice options available. I should probably know this without the choices, but I'm going to need to take them. Is it a tiger, a snake, a dragonfly, or an elephant? Hmm. Elephant. No, it was a dragonfly. And that means the bonus question passes to Danny. Danny I had it to a flip. Maria also likens Eric to a jazz musician. Which instrument? Uh, was it the bass player? It is the bassist. So you get one nice, point Danny. there. Okay, no more bonuses. Just one point per question or two points if you do it without the options. No more bone uh, Seven deuce off the board. Any other number, Danny? Uh, let's start with one. What year did Johnny Chan beat Seidel heads up for his World Series of Poker main event bracelet? Uh, I don't remember at all. You can take the multiple choice options. Uh, yeah, these two. Okay, 1983, 1988, 1998. So the one I had in mind is not there. So uh, what was the second one? 1988. 
uh, let's go for that one. That was the correct answer. The infamous hand featured in the movie <laughs> Rounders. Joseph. I knew that one too. Um, I, let's go with uh, Nom Nom. Snowman's number eight. What hand does Maria have when busting her first ever World Series of Poker main event? And I'll give you a clue. It's a hand that obviously Eric looked down his nose at her playing. Okay, I'll take the choices. Was it King Jack, Queens, Aces, or 10-9? The first thing that came into my mind was King Jack when you said he looked down his nose at it. So I'm going to say King Jack. You're on the board, Joe. You have Woo! a point. Where would you like to go next, Danny? Uh, let's go number nine. Number nine. Including the prelude, how many chapters are there in the book? <laughs> Classic Patrick yeah. question here. <laughs> I should have left this one for you, yeah. Uh, you know that this is Patrick trying to screw over Joe with his lucky number nine. Yep, you can take yourself. the options, Danny. Sorry, got- Danny. No offense to you. This is. Uh, I'm just glad that Patrick got fucking stopped for once. <laughs> uh, You've got a okay, decent uh, advantage. I would go for the options again, okay. just so that uh, Joe cannot steal it anyway. Okay. 12, 16, 20, or 24? Uh, 16. 16. You have five total points now. Joe, uh, you only have a single point. You still got it. And it's your question. Three, four, five, six, or ten? Ten, please. What app did Maria download to help her with preflop ranges? I'll take the choices. I think I know it. Is it Turbo Jam, Fast Fold, Quick Flip, or Snap Shove? Snap Shove. For a point. Three, four, five, or six, Danny? Uh, five, please. Question five. Who does Maria think plays poker as if they were at a yoga retreat? Well, this part I don't remember at all. Mm, yeah, choices, please. Is it Ike Haxton, Doug Polk, Lucky Chewy, or Fedor Holtz? Uh, Lucky Chewy? It is Lucky Chewy for a point. <laughs> Joe, your penultimate question, three, four, or six? Uh, three. How many bullets did Maria fire in her first ever World Series event, which was the Colossus? One. Incorrect. She fired five. Ooh. Danny, four or six for your final question? Uh, let's do four. What is the name of Maria's mental coach? Uh, I probably know it when I hear it. So, choices, please. Okay, is it Johnny Telcher, Jason Tanner, Jared Tendler, or Justin Tatler? No, I don't know it when I hear it. Okay, it was Jared Tendler. Uh, Joe, that means you get question six. Do you know the first ever EPT stop that Maria attended? No, thank you for your question. Nah, I'm going to need you to give me an answer. And you may as well gamble because you need points. Uh, well, I know she played the PCA. Uh, what would have come right before the PCA? Prague is right before the PCA. But Barcelona is really where people show up for the first time. PCA has already been mentioned. I'm going to go with Barcelona. The only one you didn't mention is the correct answer, Monte Carlo. (laughs) So the final score is two points to Joe, six points to our superfan, Danny Hobo. And that means, Danny, you are a winner. And that means you are going to get a $109 Sunday million ticket. Plus, controversially, we're going to give you some PokerStars merch to wear. I think I'm still allowed to uh, use that. So thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> can we can we send it to him like tied up in like a napkin with it on the end of a stick? At least will that be okay? I said I wasn't going to do it, and I did it. I'm sorry. I don't feel good about it. I feel terrible. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. No worries. <laughs> Danny, thank you very much uh, for taking part in the show. Thanks once again for bearing with us through a confusing period, and uh, congrats. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, thank you yeah, for doing the show, and also the EPT last week. It was so much fun to watch it again.
Glad you enjoyed it. Cool. And yesterday as well, actually, like I really, I pretty much watched the whole uh, live stream because, of course, you have to watch the Sunday Million. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, guys, have a good one. All right, my babies, that's just about all the time we have got for this week's show. Coming up next time. What is coming up next for us? How long before I get back on a plane again? Are we finally doing croupier? Answers. Number one, I'm hoping we can do an extended interview with a poker pro because it's been a while since we've profiled one of the big names in the game. Okay. Two, depends on whether you're coming to the UK for UK IPT London. And three, yes. Thank you for your question. (laughs) On the subject of the UK IPT, by the way, I've just realized, yes. Joe, I am away uh, for Easter. So, unfortunately, I definitely can't play the UK IPT main event because that runs into the weekend that I'm flying abroad. But I might be around for the earlier part of the festival, might be able to play maybe a smaller side event. Um, but I don't know what you've got lined up. I don't know what you've got planned. Um, but, yeah, obviously, we'd love to see you. I think I am free, and I would. I, who else? Who else needs to be on board for this? Who else do I need to uh, to butter up? You know all to the make right this people. Happen? You know all, all the right. people to contact. All right. So coming up next week, hopefully, I'll have some answers about how my <laughs> butter is doing. <laughs> that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, this is Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.